0: Today on Building the Broncos, Carl and Nick wrap up the Broncos 2018 NFL draft class, breaking down Wisconsin tight end Troy Fu Arizona State interior offensive lineman Sam Jones, Washington off ball linebacker Keyshawn Bieria, Arkansas running back David Williams, and touch on some of the undrafted free agents. This is Building the Broncos.
1: Welcome to Building the Broncos with your hosts, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing today, buddy?
0: Hey, I'm doing pretty well. I am ready for the weekend. I enjoyed my last weekend. The buddy of mine from Los Angeles was in town, and this weekend, planning on going to do some camping. That's what we wanted to do this weekend, but it was raining. But looking at the weather, it might rain again this weekend, so I don't know. We'll see. I got, got a new tent, and girlfriend and I have a backpacking trip planned for this summer, so need to break out that new tent and just weather hasn't been permitting yet.
1: Got some rounds of golf in this last week. That was Um, nice. Yeah, it's been a while and it was not pretty, but hey, I got to golf, so I'll take it. Absolutely. Well, we want to let you listeners know that the building, the Broncos, is focused on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the NFL draft. With Nick and myself being draftaholics, we'll bring you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode, from scouting reports, player value, scheme, and personnel fits, and of course, some general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Pod. And make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24 7 Sports and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker and rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Well, Nick. I guess this is kind of one of those uh, bittersweet episodes, everything that we've been doing for pretty much this entire offseason building up to the draft, and we're down to our final players for the Broncos that they they took, and I I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that, closing out the 2018 NFL Draft.
0: For me, I feel more sweet than bitter. I'm ready to move on to 2019 and ready to see how these guys all play out. And we already talked about some of those, those more well-known guys. So we got to wrap it up with some of these guys that we know, but maybe not every single listener has heard of, you know, or at least knows very much about before the Broncos selected them. So going to wrap it up and start looking forward again, because that's, I mean, that's literally what this show is. It's always
1: about looking forward. Exactly. All right. Well, let's start with the maybe maybe a lot of people have actually heard of this guy. He's a pretty well-known player in college and played for a pretty big team uh, in in Wisconsin. And Troy Fumagalli, they're tied pretty much their their one big passing option that they had this entire last season with their their left handed quarterback. You are a Big Ten guy, but let's I'm going to let you start. What do you think of Troy Fumagalli? Well,
0: he's definitely not the best tight end in the Big Ten. That belongs to Mr. Noah Fant. No, I'm, I'm sorry, I had to get that in there. I I, uh, I enjoy Trevor Fumagalli. He's an interesting player. I think he has a very high floor. Another again, the very common theme in this draft class: high floor, not the highest ceiling, but a guy that you're going to get some sort of contributions from. I think year one, probably never going to be a tight end one. Maybe not even a great tight end two, but tight ends. Low tight end two, tight end three. I think that's where you're going to see him. I enjoyed watching his tape. There's some games where he just destroys opponents, but he's getting fed a fair amount of balls. And when he has to go up against zone coverage, he does a pretty good job because those linebackers and the safeties even get sucked up with how well Wisconsin runs the football. I mean, you want to talk about an offense that makes my heart flutter that Wisconsin style though, those power run games setting up the play action. I mean, Alex Hornybrook, the left-handed quarterback, not a good guy. They made him – I mean, not a good player. I don't know about him <laughs> as a person, but not not a great quarterback, at least what he was last year. And, man, they they made an offense that could make him effective because they got just a monster offensive line and weapons and a good run game and a good defense, too. They don't ask him to do too much. Troy Fumagalli, though, he was the the constant for them this past season. He, If things broke down, you often saw the quarterback look for Fumagalli. Third down – Fumagalli was the guy. He doesn't really offer much over the top. I don't think he's ever going to be a seam threat in the NFL because, obviously, once you go from college to the NFL, guys get bigger, faster, and stronger. So his athletic limitations that were on tape at Wisconsin are going to be even more magnified in the NFL. But solid player, and I think he has a chance to be – I don't think he'll be tied into this season, but I think he could develop into that role. And year one, special teams contributor for sure.
1: The the things that I really liked about watching him is one, his ability to catch in traffic. Mm -hmm. He is that, like you said, that third down option where if you run out of players that you just kind of throw it up and and let this guy go make a play for you. I mean, he made so many catches with a guy pretty much just grabbing his back and trying to rip him to the ground. And and so I love that. I love that he can be very, very trusted, very good, solid hands, just for for only having nine fingers. This guy has very, very good hands. He does more with nine than a lot of guys do with 10 and just a hard worker. You can see that in the way that he he works on the field. Every play gives very, very good effort. He's a very willing blocker. You're talking about that tight end two possible role. What I kind of envision with him is on those third and three, third and four kind of plays. You bring him in and defenses don't know if you're running or passing because he's not just a blocking tight end. He's not just a receiving tight end. He's actually a a decent all around tight end. And so he can be one of those guys that you have him fake block and then go run a quick slant play or uh, an in in route or something like that and just pick up that third and short play. Those are (laughs) underrated plays within a game to keep those drives going. And I think we've talked about it on this podcast before of, For the last few years, that third and short play has been one of the worst plays for the Broncos. Absolutely terrible. And so to have that kind of option that can come in and keep a defense confused on what they're going to do could be a very, very good thing for the Broncos to have. But like you said, he is limited. He's not a not a great athlete. He's very, very tight hipped. And so even coming out of his breaks, he just can't get a whole lot of separation. He has decent route running. But because his, heights are, his hips are so tight, he just doesn't get that little extra step that you see a lot of other guys able to do. And so a lot of his catches are contested catches, not only because he has a bad quarterback throwing to him, but just because he just can't get separation. Like you said, he's very limited on his ceiling. I think his ceiling and his floor are very, very close, honestly. And I, I expect him to, to make the team. I think he can have a decent career in the NFL just because he is a hard worker. He's a leader. He's smart. He's tough. He's all those things that you're looking for in those, those last about 10 spots on the roster where you're just wanting those guys that are going to be willing to do about anything on the field. And can, you can make a role for them. You can find some different things to do with them. And him being 6'4", 6'5", that can also help in the red zone you know, maybe you you stick him in. And I just, when they drafted him, I had this vision because now they got Cortland Sutton, who is six, three, you got DT who is also six, three, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Just making sure you got Jake Budd who's six, five, and then you got this guy who's six, four, six, five. And so you could get a lot of size on the field if you really wanted to for those red zone targets and just pretty much tell case Keenum, Hey, go throw it up, let these guys go make some plays because you got a lot of guys with good hands that can win those 50-50 balls for you.
0: Yeah, and furthermore, talking about his limited ceiling, he looks like a guy that does not have the frame to get much more mass. He's a very skinny-legged guy, which when you're looking at guys on the offensive line, it's honestly, I mean, you want them to have the big chest, the big arms and everything, but it's that base where all that, the base and the core where much of that power comes from. And he is a skinny legged dude. There's just no other way to put it. And you can see it when they're blocking with him. They don't ask him to be a lead blocker so often, or they don't run to his side, but rather they'll run power where he's moving and he'll run across or behind the offensive line and hit that gap to help hopefully spring open a bigger gap for that power run game. But as far as moving guys at the point of attack, that's just not his game. I mean, you want to talk about blocking tight ends, go watch OJ Howard from two years ago at Alabama not really Fumagalli's game. So he's a little bit limited in that regard. And it's, I mean, he does have the technique for it. He definitely has the willingness to be a blocker, which is a big part of it, but I just don't know how much more strength he can pack on his frame, at least effective strength. Then that's going to limit him as an inline blocker, I think going forward, but the biggest thing for him, his, his hands and his just consistency as a receiver, you know, you talked about it. He does, he is missing a finger, only a nine fingered tight end, but when the ball gets to him, he has sticky hands. He makes some pretty good catches, even ones that he has to go up and get some from time to time, because Horney book will just throw it up to him and the ball doesn't move when it gets to his hands. He's got very sure sticky hands, soft hands even. And when he's coming out of his, his, out of his breaks, isn't the best, but his initial speed in the routes is pretty solid. So I see a solid tight end, but one that if he's ever your tight end one, you're probably in trouble as a receiving unit, unless you got some dynamic receivers around him, so hopeful for him. I, but I don't think he is close to the prospect Jake Butt was. Or, I mean, as a prospect, we're talking. I wasn't a very big pick of the, or a bit very big fan of the pick. But I think even Jeff Hiramman was a better prospect coming out just because of the athletic upside. But you can't underestimate the competitive toughness and the smarts and the desire. Which I mean, Fumagalli's been a. Oh, he was a walk on at Wisconsin. And he's played a lot of games there. And he was a a leader on that team, on a very good team. So he's going to be a solid contributor. How much he's going to contribute year one, I don't know. I don't think he'll ever be a great starting tight end in the NFL. But we're talking a fifth-round pick here. So we'll see. They definitely need the injection of talent, youth, into that group. And hopefully he can contribute this year. Worst case, I see a guy who can, again, play some special teams role, which is something the team needs. And that's pretty much what you're expecting year one from a fifth round pick. So not, not the worst there, but the upside of the pick, I just don't think it's super high. That's fine though. Cause again, fifth round pick.
1: I I'm sorry. I, I keep, and, and maybe our listeners are having the same problem ever since you said, it's all about the base. I just keep having that song stuck in my head, <laughs> you know, all about the base, all about the base, no treble. Yes, that's, exactly. Uh, yeah. That, that fits for football. That song was written about football. Face and core, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like I said, it's it's a solid pick here in the fifth round. You, you know what you're getting. Yeah, you're getting a good locker room guy. You're getting a good leader, a guy that's going to work his tail off, and he's going to find a role somehow in this team. And I, I just can't disagree with this pick at all. Especially this late in the draft, you're you're still getting a productive player that's going to make your 53 man roster.
0: I can't disagree. I think the the biggest thing that disappoints me with him is that he just doesn't do any one thing great. And when I'm looking for a tight end, I especially one that's going to complement Butt who's more of that jack of all, master of none kind of guy, right. I'd rather have a tight end that has like some dominant trait. You know, when you get him out there, sure you might be tipping your hand of what you're going to do, but at least you know that they're going to be great in that role. Fumagalli, I mean, he's not super dynamic athlete he's not going to stretch the seams you're not really going to get that seam that a slot tight end type and then he's not overpowering at the point of attack as a blocker so you're not going to really be running behind him in you know two tight end formations where you're feeling like oh my gosh that's pretty much a sixth offensive lineman out there (laughs) so that's just a just from a personal philosophy on my end but again you can never have enough guys that have solid hands and smart and can you know, work zones and be a quarterback's best friend out there. And that's what Fumagalli is. So if I had to grade the pick, I'd give it a, especially considering it's a fifth round pick, pick 156 overall, I'd give it a solid B.
1: That seems, that seems fair. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing that's going to make you jump out of your chair and go, yes, I can't believe we got this guy this late in the draft, but still one of those, okay, this guy's going to at least contribute. And, and like you said, it is a little bit, or he runs a lot of the same routes that you're going to expect Jake, Butt to run. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Can you have them both on the same on the field at the same time? Hireman's more of your seam threat hypothetically. So, yeah, I mean hypothetically. I mean you're hoping because he is probably of all of our tight ends the most athletic guy we have. Yeah. And you just hope that maybe something clicked for him this year. Maybe the threat of bringing in a Fumagalli and his roster spot being up for grabs a little bit. Yeah. You hope that motivates a player, but we're, we're just gonna have to wait and see on that. Um, Yeah. But it's, it's a decent tight end group for the Broncos. It's nothing, like I said, that makes you go crazy. You got a little promise with Jake, but obviously, but otherwise it's still kind of a, it's an unknown right now. I like the other
0: Wisconsin tight end even better.
1: Ooh,
0: Austin trailer. I think he is probably the more, he's more of an H back tight end type where he doesn't really have the size but he blocks really well. And I know there's going to be some listeners on here because for some reason he has a cult following. But I think Austin Trailer makes Andy Janovich potentially expendable. So watch out for that. We will see. I mean, if it comes down to it and they want to keep, you know, six wide receivers or maybe the fifth running back because you don't have that solid, solid veteran there, Janovich is probably the guy that's gone. So we'll see. Uh touching on some of his size and limitations though, I'm looking at his combine right here, the Fumigali, that is. He had a 32-inch arm length, which was the only in the 12th percentile of all the tight ends measured, um, a wingspan of 74 and 7th-8th, which is only in the 3rd percentile, so very narrow-chested. But despite those short arms, only 14 reps on the bench press, which is the 5th percentile. So, I mean, you think a guy playing that pro-style system, very run-heavy at Wisconsin, would have some strength, have that ability as a blocker but he has a long way to go in the weight room if he's going to be a more solid inline option in the NFL. So we'll see. I think this year probably more of a redshirt year, but there's questions about his base and how much stronger he can get. But if there's anywhere that you can get stronger, it's an NFL weight room.
1: Definitely. And I know a lot of people are excited about the, the Broncos' new conditioning coach.
0: Yeah. A little yeah. bummed that we lost the last one.
1: If yeah, he was, he, he was pretty good. I liked him, but I, I hear a lot of really good things. A lot of players would go to this guy – during the off season and work with him and his staff. And so we'll just have to see what they can do, but that kind of brings us to the next guy that is another one that could very much use some time in the weight room. And that is Aquaman, Sam Jones mm-hmm. interior offensive lineman for Arizona state. And uh, if you haven't seen a picture of this guy, picture the the character that plays Aquaman in justice league, very, very similar. It looks like they're about cousins pretty much. And, uh, but he probably doesn't have that same ability that Aquaman has, but he's, he's a very solid player that the Broncos were able to bring. And I know a lot of people are going, why did they wait clear to the sixth round to go offensive line? And I think it was just a lot of other players. They really liked fell to different positions. You and I've both heard that they had offensive linemen targeted at different points in the draft. And those players just didn't quite fall. Something that I, I looked into the draft Ten of the first forty picks went to the offensive line. If that doesn't tell you how much teams are now obsessed with trying to find talent for the offensive line and just going crazy, even over drafting some players, I mean, it just—it's a hard position to find the talent. And like I said, teams were, were going crazy, snap, snatching up players. But when ten of the first forty go to the offensive line, that means positions of other other positions fall. And so that's why a Cortland Sutton with a first round grade can make it into the second round for the Broncos.
0: Yeah. And a couple guys that I heard the Broncos were targeting round two, both interior offensive linemen, both went before the Broncos pick in Will Hernandez and James Daniels. So that's just how it was this year. It was a good interior offensive line group. It just didn't play out the Broncos way. And they tried very hard to move up to number 33 or, or even number 34. I heard they even might've offered a 2019 first round pick to go up and try to get Will Hernandez. So I'm honestly glad they didn't do that, but offensive line is going to remain a question going forward. Jared Valdir will help that right tackle spot, and hopefully Sean Coogler will help develop some of those guys on the inside as well. But waiting until the sixth round to address the offensive line, I would have lost that bet. There is no way I would have thought they would have done that. I know you never want to draft purely for need, but considering how many picks they had and the huge need for the Broncos on the inside and even a tackle, the 183rd pick is when they go offensive line. I, I can't believe it. And you said uh, Justice League. Have you seen Game of Thrones, Carl? I have not. Okay. Well, I was going to say you're, you're thrown out on Justice League. That's that's called Drogo. That's a uh, he's one of the main characters in the f- first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. So maybe that's a little bit too risque for HBO. You know, it's not just TV; it's HBO. <laughs> so, but especially when you got the kids around, you can't really watch stuff like right. that when you're at home. You're right. watching football games and Paw Patrol probably back and forth.
1: That's about it. Yeah.
0: Yep. (laughs) I figured as much, (laughs) but yeah, I know Sam Jones. He is a, probably a guy that came out a year earlier than many thought he would. That happens a lot when teams fire their head coaches and bring in a new staff. You know, they got Herm Edwards there now at Tempe for Arizona state. So Sam Jones decided to leave and I watched some games of him. Pretty good athlete. I was surprised with how well he moved, but man, another guy that just looks small for his position. And you can see that based on his combine. I mean, not not a short guy by any means. He's almost 6'5". He's 6'4 and five eighths, 300 pounds. But, you know, for an interior offensive lineman, 300 pounds is only the – 305 pounds is only 22nd percentile. But those shoulders, I mean, those arms, tiny. Wingspan of 76 and a fourth inch, which is the fourth percentile, and 31-inch arm length, which is the first percentile. So, literally, if you took 100 players, average, you know, just – by odds, 100 players that measured at the interior offensive line in the NFL Combine, Sam Jones would probably have the shortest arms of any of them. So that's, I mean, that's a big reason he fell. Solid athlete, not, not nothing incredible, but solid athlete. And you see that mostly when he's asked to move block and when he's a pass blocker. Uh, when he moves in space, he can hit his targets at the second level pretty well, does pretty well on pulls as well, or you know zone stretches or anything like that. And he played some tackle at college, but he's going to be a guard, probably more of a center, at the next level, I don't see him having enough power or anchor to be a guard in power scheme. Very active hands, but sometimes they tend to slip and he can wrap around, which is not what you want to see with a guy with shorter arm length. And he does have fluid hips. That's something that's really important for those guys. He's smooth. And he has a strong initial hands and pass sets. But again, if once those initial push gets there in pass sets specifically, they tend to slide off. Slender frame, very limited power, not a perfect fit for the blocking scheme. I'm pretty surprised about that. And he just needs to work on sustaining his blocks. That's a big thing. Sometimes after he gets that initial one, stronger guys can overwhelm him. I remember watching the Washington game and when he was asked to get second level or anything like that, he did fine. But when he had to go against Vita Veya or Greg Gaines, the only term that I could think of to write down and, you know, talk about here today is ragdolled. He got ragdolled a few times by those big guys. Granted, they did that to a few amount of people last year and Greg gangs is not a slouch either. He'll be coming out next year and a pretty good interior offensive lineman, but Sam Jones, he's a guy that, you know, we talk about putting guys on a back burner for one year. We're probably talking at least two years for Sam Jones, six pick six round pick. That's fine. But just, uh, kind of a, kind of a confusing pick given the scheme fit and just some of the, the weaknesses he have has does not translate perfectly to, the scheme that I think the Broncos will be running with Musgraves in the more man gap run game.
1: This definitely felt more like a guy that Kubiak would love. Yeah. And and with knowing that Kubiak was kind of running the draft, I guess it shouldn't be that big of a shock, but you're right. It's just not that quite perfect fit. He, I loved him in run blocking, honestly, especially like you said, getting to that second level, working with combo blocks. I thought he did a great job with timing of knowing when to get to that second level he did great with pulling like you said he's got quick feet i was very very impressed with his feet but pass blocking there were just many many times where like you said after that initial block he just got caught leaning his hands would get weak or they'd slide off or they just he was having a lot of trouble with that and and in the nfl that's not going to translate well so lots to work on but it's again it's 6 round pick and and one our biggest complaints of this entire draft are Getting into the fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks, I, I can feel pretty good about that kind of draft. Yeah, but it just he, he's going to be a depth guy. Maybe even they try to sneak him onto the practice squad just see if they can get him there for a year and and kind of do the the Matt Paradis kind of situation where you let him grow and and hope that they can come in the next year and maybe be a starter at least a quality depth guy. Yeah, and he's a Colorado
0: kid as well. He's a Colorado native. Was a three star recruit. It went to Arizona State, which I'm not sure about the elevation at Arizona State, but I'm guessing it's higher up than Kansas or Iowa. Right. So I'll, I'll give him that. And we'll see how he develops. He's a guy that you're hoping that can, you know, do wonders with Kugler. I'm sure Kugler had a lot to do with this selection. And, you know, hearing interviews with him, he seems like a smart, intelligent kid. And that's that's honestly half the battle with the offensive line. You got to have smart guys on there, believe it or not. You know, that's not just beating guys across from you got to work as a cohesive unit. And there's a lot of checks and everything that goes into that as well. So we'll see what he is in a couple years from now. But this is a pick that's more about 2020 than it is 2018, 2019, in my opinion, given how far he has to go.
1: Right. I I completely agree there. It just that's unfortunately kind of the situation you run into here getting a little later in the draft. You're trying to find some guys with maybe some potential to to become something. Yeah. I mean, it's a six
0: round pick. So I'm not expecting to see much from him year one, especially because he's offensive line. You know, we are talking about Fumigali earlier. What's his most likely year one contribution? Probably special teams. And the next guy we'll talk about too, probably the same thing, special teams. But when you're an offensive lineman, not as likely to get on there for special teams. You know, I don't really want to see him being a gunner running down the field. So we'll see.
1: He could be that, uh, what do they call that? That wedge de- destroyer. Just have him jump into the wedge. His arms are so short though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we got
0: Justin Simmons for that. Well, there let's just go. say, let's just him be that he's the, I think he's the best athlete on the team.
1: There you go. All right. Well, let's move on to our other six round pick here in Keyshawn Biera. Did I say that right? Bieria. Bieria, There we go. Off ball linebacker from Washington. And honestly, he was kind of the, the unknown guy, I guess, from their defense. They had a lot of different players that obviously are in the NFL or got drafted this year or going to be drafted next year. And, uh, I guess I, I was a little shocked at this pick. I've watched I'd watched him on a couple games before when I was watching Vita Vea, but I guess I was just a little shocked. I didn't think this guy was maybe going to get drafted, but it's understandable. The Broncos needed a new influx of talent to that off-ball linebacker position. As I mean, even with adding Josie Jewel, they still had another spot open, and so makes sense. You're talking about your special teams kind of guys, like you said. This might be exactly where you're looking to, to put this guy, but I guess what, what have you seen about Keyshawn Bierra uh, that you think might be able to translate here for the NFL and for the Broncos?
0: Well, I love just watching him play. It's obvious that he brings a ton of energy. You know, he is bouncing around out there. He's hyping up his teammates. He's out there pounding his chest after a big play. He's moving around. He's the energizer bunny out there. So I love that, especially from a linebacker. I mean, Yeah. Offensive line, secondary or defensive line and secondary, probably more important to a team as far as a roster roster structure goes. But if you're looking for energy, it's typically one of those hard hitting safeties or a linebacker. So B brings that energy. He's a solid read and react guy. I'm not sure how far he is on his film studying. He'll have to buddy up with Josie jewel for that, but solid read and react, not as instinctual, but more, you know, see the ball, go chase it. He's not too small. Uh, he's not, you know, like going to be a total liability as far as his size. That said, he's probably need to put on some weight. He weighed two thirty at the combine. Probably need to get him up to two thirty five. So that's that's a that's a question for him going forward. But he's not, you know, way too small. It's going to be a huge issue. Very active in pursuit. He's again goes hand in hand with all the energy he plays with. The motor that he has runs very hot. Sips through garbage pretty well. You know, he can pick his way through offensive linemen. If an offensive lineman gets his hands on him, he can wash him out because he again. 230, he's not huge, but he sifts his way through garbage pretty well. So, like, if they're running his own stretch, he can kind of pick his spot then knife through the offensive line and make a play behind the running back or even beat the running back to his spot. And honestly, something that I saw when I watched all his games that I haven't heard many other people talk about or write about with him is he's a pretty solid blitzer. Again, very high energy, a lot of motor, and he brings that when he's going after the quarterback. Delay blitzes, A-gap blitzes, I mean, whatever it is, he was pretty good at disengaging from offensive linemen, taking them on the disengaging, and then getting after the quarterback, forcing them off their spot. He never really had much as far as production, as far as sacks. I mean, three and a half from an off-ball linebacker his sophomore year is not the worst, two junior year, one senior year. But his blitzing, I was pretty impressed with. He doesn't have amazing click and close, where like if you, he has to cut a large amount of space between him and a ball carrier, he doesn't close that gap super well. And while he's pretty active, in zone sometimes he can be a little bit too too aggressive and it can get him off his spot he can turn his hips and then get picked on by another spot of his own that he vacated or just made it made more vulnerable because he got fooled by something else and also something that needs to be said he played behind a pretty phenomenal defensive line we talked about it with Sam Jones but Washington had a pretty darn good defensive line this year and you know, gains and via eight up blocks for him and made it so that way he could be a read and react guy and not have to worry as much about the offensive line. So that'll be an issue. Also, sometimes he's just a, a solid tackler. I feel like if he breaks down in front of them, he can make the play. But if he's trying to come up from somebody from the side, he's not a lot of times cutting that angle and getting that guy down, you know? So he's got to be a little bit stronger with his tackling at the next level. Overall though, I like what he brings to the table and I think, obviously, again, this is the theme of this podcast. Day one special teams contributor with how he plays. I think he's going to be a great special teams player for the Broncos day one. And I see a guy that honestly could develop into a solid linebacker. Probably not going to be a starting linebacker on a good team. But, you know, Broncos lost Corey Nelson this year. I think this guy could be a Corey Nelson type of linebacker for the Broncos going forward.
1: I think when I was watching him, the thing that kept popping into my head was I was just hoping for more. Yeah. He just didn't make enough plays that really caught my attention. He was kind of that, that hair slow on a couple plays. Or like you said, sometimes his his tackling wasn't that great. I don't know. There there was just, I guess I was left disappointed a little bit more than, than I wanted to be. He has some ability, don't get me wrong. And like you said, for a special teams guy, I think he'll be a, a very good player in that sense. But he's definitely not a guy that I'm wanting starting anytime soon. If he's starting for the Broncos, we could be in some trouble on some things. Teams are going to really try to take advantage of him being on the field. But again, it's sixth round. You're finding special teams kind of guys. You're kind of finding those guys that maybe could turn into something if they take to the coaching, all that kind of stuff. So I can't argue with it too much. And I understand why they went this way. I just, like I said, he's not my favorite player. Uh, I watched him a lot, especially when we were going through all those videos for all the the bowl games I had Mm -hmm. Washington's defense and he he was one of those names that I had to watch and had to I I wanted to (laughs) because I you know I love you and I both love watching all this but but again I I just didn't see the playmaking ability that I was hoping for especially when you consider the guys that were in front of him you would hope that a linebacker would just be destroying teams left and right and again he just wasn't quite there so maybe his best days are ahead of him maybe he's still kind of learning the position and still trying to find his way. But I I just see him more as once his special teams role is done, he's probably done with the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I do like that he plays with his hair on fire and brings a lot of energy. And I don't think he's a, a terrible athlete. So we'll see how he develops. And did you watch, did you happen to watch any of his junior year? I did watch a little bit. A lot of people said that his junior year was much better than his senior year. And that if he would have put up his tape again, like he did his junior year, his senior year, he could have been a early day three, late day two type of prospect. So we'll see. Maybe the Broncos are banking on a little bit of upside there. Maybe just had a down senior year. Maybe there's something going on behind the scenes there that we just don't know about.
1: Yeah. His his junior year, he definitely made a lot more big plays. He forced five fumbles that year. Mm -hmm. So when you consider that he had only 68 total tackles, so about once every about what, 13 tackles or so, he's forcing a a fumble. That's pretty good. That's yeah, that's pretty good numbers. He also did a little bit better in coverage, I thought that season, from what I saw. Uh, like I said, he can get after the quarterback. I thought he got after the quarterback better his junior year compared to his senior year. So th- there's just a lot of things. I thought 2015, 2016 were were better years, in my opinion, for him than this last year. And maybe that's just because he had so much more talent around him this last year that he didn't have to make as many plays, but
0: maybe had better talent behind him. Also remember how good that back was for Washington two seasons ago. I mean, that's Sidney Jones, uh,
1: Kevin King and Buda Baker. That's true. Yeah. Maybe that played into it, but uh, I I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I was more disappointed in this last season than I was hoping for. So maybe, He recaptures some of that 2015, 2016 promise that he was showing and he turns into a great player. I hope so, obviously. I mean, I I really hope he does, but I just have my doubts of what he's really going to be for the NFL beyond just a special teams contributor.
0: And you know, with the late six round pick, I'll take a special teams contributor.
1: Definitely. And it's something the Broncos needed an influx of talent added to that group. Yeah. They were one of the worst special teams teams last year. It wasn't just the the fumbles by McKenzie. It was their coverage units weren't great. Their punter wasn't great. Their kicker wasn't great. There's was just a lot of bad things with that special teams unit last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they've definitely done some stuff to address that. So, adding another young, cost effective linebacker to the group, you know, Zaire Anderson, guy that never really progressed, had that scary injury. And then Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall might be gone soon. You got Josie Jewell and Keyshawn Beery announced. So, Some youth added there, and the Broncos have done a good job getting younger this offseason, something that they desperately needed to do. All right, well, we still have a bit to get to here, but first got to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash up. All right, well, moving right along here, we have the last pick the Broncos had – before we get into some of these undrafted free agents, in Arkansas running back David Williams, seventh round pick, selection two twenty six overall. And Carl, what did you see when you watched David Williams? You know, whether it be his Arkansas tape or his South Carolina tape.
1: So you had talked about Trailer being the possible guy that could kick jo- Janovich off the team. Yeah, I was actually thinking David Williams might be a threat to him a little bit mm. because I loved watching him block. And they would use him actually on goal line blocking where they would stick to, they'd stick a running back at the quarterback position. Then they'd have him at the fullback position and then they just run it right behind him. I watched them do that at Arkansas quite a few times or South Carolina, sorry, South Carolina is where I saw them do that a few times. And I was just very, very impressed. They had him on screen passes where they'd have him be the lead blocker for the wide receiver, where he'd come out of the backfield, try to kept, cut off that first cornerback or safety coming over and then leave the, the wide receiver for one-on-one with another defender or something like that. And they loved him in third down pass blocking. Very, very impressed with him of just being able to, to see where the pressure is coming. I watched him one time where he helped out the right tackle, then saw a delayed blitzed up, up the middle, and came over, got the guy perfect, and led to a really big play down the field. So blocking-wise, this guy... He is more than willing to go in there and hit somebody. He's not going to be as strong as Janovich, but sometimes you're just looking for those guys that can contribute in more than one way. And Janovich, he's a good special teams guy, so I guess you can't completely say he doesn't contribute in more than one way. But maybe you like this guy because you can still spread out the offense. You can still use him as a running back. You can use him on short down yardage, all those kind of things. So there's a lot of things to like about him, but. Here's the things I I didn't like. I didn't think he always had the best vision. I thought there was a lot of times where he just kind of ran to the hole, and if it wasn't there, he just kind of kept pushing forward. He's kind of one of those one-cut runners. He's he's not going to make people miss in the open field a whole lot. If he is, it's because he's running them over. He's just not elusive. I watched him on one pass play where he tried to juke, and the guy just kind of stood there, like, "What are you trying to do here, man? It's not working." <laughs> and, and and finally, like three other tacklers came up and got him because he was trying to dance, and it was just not not pretty. So he's not that kind of runner. He's not going to be the guy that's going to probably take a, a a screen pass sixty yards. He he has decent speed for his size, actually. I think I saw somewhere where he ran like a four five forty at his pro day.
0: Yeah, four five two which is pretty darn good considering he is a 224 pound running back.
1: Right. Um, I, when I'm looking at this draft for the Broncos, and I know a lot of people are saying that Freeman is the, the new power back for the Broncos. I would say David Williams is more your power back compared to Freeman. Freeman has a little bit more wiggle, has a little bit more explosion. Or Williams is that true? I'm going to lower my shoulder and fall forward an extra two yards kind of guy. And uh, so I, it's one of those picks. I'm I'm I understand why they did it because they have some speed guys. And then, I mean, we're going to talk about one really great speed guy when we're talking about our undrafted free agents for the running back position. But I don't know, again, there's some questions. I've, I've talked to some people who said that part of the reason that he failed at South Carolina was because he had such a terrible work ethic. Mm where they pretty much said, hey, here's the starting running back role. All you have to do is not lose it. And he lost it twice. Paxton Lynch. (laughs) I know, I know. Now, I'm hoping that him having to transfer to Arkansas maybe woke him up a little bit, made him realize, hey, even though I'm a very, very talented player, it's just not all going to be handed to me. Because I'm guessing he's one of those players that he's always been great. Always been, you know, high school, he was that star running back. Got to college, he was that high recruit. Everybody thought, hey, this guy's going to be a a great player. Because he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. So, again, thought of very, very highly by a lot of people. And just never quite lived up to the hype. Never really did. and And, again, this last year at Arkansas was finally where you saw him perform a little bit. He only had 117 carries, but he had 656 yards and eight touchdowns and 10 receptions, 171 yards. So again, he's, he's that guy that can do a lot of things for you, but he's just going to have to prove that he can actually put in the work to become great. And I I just really question whether he's going to be willing to do that or not. Well,
0: you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I guess one big positive that you didn't touch on there, his low usage probably is a good thing for the NFL. That guy's got a lot of tread on his tires I mean, you're talking about how many total touches did he have during his entire career? Four years playing, only 341 touches. So that's big. And he had 10 touchdowns last season, eight on the ground, two receiving. So, and 6.5 yards per touch. That includes receiving and rushing. So this guy's got some talent. There's, There's some intriguing tools there. But it's a very crowded running back room. And he's got a very tall hill to climb to get there because there's going to be a lot of competition with the running backs this year, but if the Broncos need a power back, especially one of some decent speed, I mean, he's never going to break away from guys, but his ability to be a one cut and go kind of guy, lower that shoulder, hopefully get an extra two yards training those feet. I think he can do that. So there's some upside here. He's an interesting guy, but I, I'm not sure that he makes the NFL squad, at least the 53. He might be a guy that's probably more of the, a practice squad type because of how many injuries there are at the running backs. Hopefully the Broncos can get that guy on the practice squad.
1: Right. I I think there's a undrafted free agent that we're going to talk about. That's probably actually going to beat him out for that last spot. And I think that's a a good segue to our last little bit here. Wrapping up the draft. We have to talk about some undrafted guys because Hey, the Broncos have found some very, very talented players. Obviously they got CJ Anderson who just went to the Panthers who's a pro bowl running back. You have Chris Harris, who's an all pro cornerback. And so plenty of talent coming from, from this kind of group, but let's just start with the, the Colorado native or the Colorado uh, hero, I guess you could say, Philip Lindsay running back for them. And I, I was a little shocked that he went undrafted. Are you? I am a little shocked, but he is teeny, teeny, tiny.
0: So a lot of times he is pretty fast, but guys that small, they don't tend to last in the NFL unless you're Darren Sproles. But again, you don't draft for the exception
1: you draft for the rule. Wow. I like that. I like that saying. Yeah. I've never, I guess I've never really even thought about that. Yep. Man. You just added to my, my repertoire of of wisdom.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) Gotta have more friends from Iowa. We always say
1: (laughs) profound stuff. (laughs) But no, you're right. He's only 184 pounds, which is in the two percentile of all running backs. That's that's not good. Height wise, high. only 5'7, which is in the fourth percentile. Uh, but then you start looking at the really good things. You look at the 40-yard dash, 439, which is in the 93rd percentile. And you look in broad jump 124 inches, which is in the 85th percentile. So this guy has some explosive ability. And honestly, you Colorado fans, you probably might not know this guy even better than we do, but he's been a, he's been used a lot there for the university of Colorado, 301 carries this last season, 1,474 yards, and then 23 receptions for 257 uh, yards, 324 total touches for the season. That's a lot of work for a guy that's only 184 pounds.
0: Yes, it is. And I honestly went back and watched some of his 2016 tape too. I thought he was even more effective. That might have a lot to do with being on a better team and having better quarterback play, but his effectiveness, I think wore down a little bit this season. I mean, you can see that in his stats. He went from 5.1 yards uh, per touch or per carry to 4.9. And despite having, you know, 60 more touches 2017 compared to 2016, he had two less touchdowns. So it's going to be interesting. He's, he's an interesting guy born in denver colorado and a three-star recruit and everybody that talks about this guy that's with the the buffs absolutely loves him so if he's going to make it in the nfl he's going to have to be more of a, a niche player he's not going to be able to be used the same way that he was at buffalo being a primary ball carrier between the tackles but rather he's going to have to be a type that's going to have to really improve his ability he does have the i do think he has the ability to do it, but he's got to really improve and show that he can be a consistent pass catcher and that includes you know not only being a receiver out of the backfield, but shifting out and even being a slot receiver and whatnot as well, as well as being a kick returner. So we will see with him. I I think he does have some interesting ability, but it's going to be interesting. There's there's a lot of good. Well, we'll see about good. There's a lot of different running backs for the Broncos this year. I mean, you got David Williams, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman. And I would say that Booker, Henderson, and Freeman are all locks. Are they going to carry five running backs? I I, probably not. I mean, maybe, but probably not. So Lindsey's going to have to do something to distinguish himself over the rest of the guys that he's going to competing, be competing with. And to me, given his size and some of these athletic traits that he has, it's going to have to be as a receiver. So maybe he can beat out McKenzie as that returner as well, that there's some, there's some ability there, but Lindsay, I I'm not connected to the bill, the Buffalo, Wow, the, the bills, the Colorado buffs program in any way. I'm definitely an Iowa Hawkeye, Big Ten football over Pac-12 or Big 12. So I, so I don't have any sort of you know, emotional connection to him. But I'm pulling for him. Seems like a great guy, and the Broncos could really use a receiver that complements Booker, Freeman, and Henderson well as a guy who's more of a pure pass-catching type of back. And that's how I see Lindsey. So he's got a chance. He's going to have to show it in camp. He's going to have to show it in preseason, but he's got a heck
1: of a chance. I've been saying on this podcast that the running back battle is going to be one of my favorite to follow during this offseason because you got a lot of backs with a lot of different styles of play. And it's just a matter of which one's going to fit well with the Broncos, which ones can can show that they can do more than just be a runner. Like you said, you're going to have to show that you can be a receiver. Maybe they can do something on special teams. I think that's where he could really make his his mark for the Broncos is showing that maybe he could be that. That kickoff returner for the Broncos. Because they didn't really have much last year is pretty much if you catch it, run forward. And of course, part of that was with Carlos Henderson getting hit hurt because they kind of expected that he was going to be that guy. Punt returner, that competition is wide open right now. If I'm Philip Lindsay, I'm going to the coaches saying I want to be a punt returner. Because Put again, if, yeah. If you can show that you can be consistent in catching it and making a play, man you're going to make this team. So, uh, and I I think he is that kind of guy that he's willing to do whatever it's going to take. I know he's a hard worker. I've I've heard a lot of good things from Colorado people of just how much this guy just cares about the game and just wants to be something. So I don't know. Maybe that's just uh, the, I started following the university of Colorado a little bit more, partly because I listened to a lot of Bronco radio and uh, obviously they talk about the, the buffs quite a bit. So I, I've got a little soft heart for this guy. Maybe that's the, uh, maybe I am showing a little bias here.
0: No, that's okay. You have, you're in Kansas. That's a barren wasteland for football. So <laughs> we'll, we'll forgive you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. KU. Oh boy. I think they had their first win this last year in like four years. They're, they're not good. No, <laughs> they're, they're not good. there's some division three teams that would give them a run for their money. You know what? Let's let's not even stop there. Yeah. High school, like it's it's
0: <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. Okay, I, I feel bad. Sorry, any Kansas Jayhawks fans. At least basketball is awesome there, but right, football right. is gosh dang, not not a good time.
1: How do they make Talib and Chris Harris Jr.? I I really have no clue. They had that one really great season where they made the Orange Bowl and and they won it actually, if I remember right, and uh, then it was downhill very very quickly after that. Just I'm trying just to remember, trying to remember what coach they had. They had the big guy, Mangini, Mangini. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was crazy around Kansas for a while.
0: Gosh, that was, a. Uh, I I remember that I was in like early high school. So I was pretty young. I think both Kansas and Missouri were really good that year. Right. Like that was yeah, a big rivalry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like they were like one and two and they played each other or something like that. It was a huge game. Like the biggest one they've ever had between those two schools.
1: Yeah, that was that was weird. Those are the two because that was back when the Big 12 was still the Big 12. Yeah, they were still playing in that that conference. But um, yeah, that was weird to see that those are the two teams when you have Oklahoma, Texas, K-State, Nebraska, Colorado. You have all those teams in the Big 12 that are known for football and and you have Missouri and Kansas. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's why
0: that's why we love this sport. It's true.
1: Yeah, it's true. You never know. Yep. Most people are counting out the Broncos right now. So it, it could be fun just to see them prove everybody wrong. I remember first year with Peyton Manning, everybody's like, man, he's washed up. Broncos are going to be nothing. They got a tough schedule. And then they go and finish first in the AFC. Yep. And then Bill Vinovich and Raheem Moore tore my heart
0: out. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, man. I'm crying. Somebody who's, yeah, <laughs> somebody who's not gonna tear our heart out. Jeff Holland, edge rusher from Auburn. I I do not know how this guy went undrafted. I get that he didn't have many years of production at Auburn. And it seems like the NFL is kind of going away from those the smaller speed rusher types. But man, somebody as productive as he was last season in the SEC doesn't go undrafted, especially an edge rusher. It does not make sense to me. I mean, last year, 26 solo tackles. 45 total tackles, 12.5 sack or 12.5 tackles for loss and 9.5 sacks, four forced fumbles, and I believe he was the SEC Defender of the Year as well. So a guy very productive and showed out pretty well for the Auburn Tigers and playing against some really good offensive lines. So Broncos got a steal here. Honestly, I if they, you would put this guy in the fifth round pick, I'd probably give it a higher grade than. Fumigali, or it's it's right around there It'd probably be about the same i definitely had him higher rated than either sixth round pick or the seventh round pick so i'm i'm kind of interested that this guy went undrafted not great size six one but decent weight 250 pounds and the wingspan isn't horrible either i mean 80 inches which is right at half 50 percentile and 33 inch arm length which is again right around 50th percentile Okay, 40-yard dash at 4.79, under a 4.8 for an edge rusher that's not bad, and a one one six broad jump. So you put that with the production and the overall size. I, I don't understand how this guy went
1: undrafted. So I've read up a little bit on what happened, and essentially a lot of teams stayed away from him because they were really questioning his work ethic. Hmm. There was some questions about even how serious he was taking the offseason, where like interviews and pro days and scouting combine, all those kind of things, they just didn't feel like he was putting in the work this offseason to do anything. And there's nothing that turns a team off more than you not being prepared for that big of an inter- interview. So I-, I think that that played into it. It must've because the tape and everything else does not add up. Right. Right. Especially when you have a league that is just, frothing at the mouth to get pass rushers and then you let this guy get undrafted. doesn't make much sense. But, but like I said, if you're questioning work ethic of whether this guy's even going to care being on the field, I'm just hoping it's kind of the, uh, the Shaq Barrett kind of situation where some were questioning a little bit of his work ethic. They didn't really like his body type. And I did hear a little bit about that with this guy as well, that his body type just shape wise wasn't, what they were looking for. And maybe that motivates them all the more to, to actually be great to do something. I mean, no, no better person to talk to than Shaq Barrett about going undrafted as a, as a pass rusher. Yeah. And the
0: Broncos really need him to step up because the, unfut- or the uncertainty of the future with Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray. So you don't want to go into next year with just Bradley Chubb and Bon Miller. They need to have a third and fourth guy. So hopefully Jeff Holland, shows up this year, puts in the work ethic. And I don't think Von Miller, I mean, Von Miller is kind of a goofy guy, but he's, I think he'll call you out too, if you're not putting in the work. So, and uh definitely, you know, Von's going to be working with Bill caller. So maybe Von will tell Bill to go over there and wrestle Jeff. Holland. <laughs> so, so I, I had, I have high hopes for him. And just because the tape is very good. I mean, he's not, he wasn't ever going to be a first round pick, but I thought, you know, early day three, probably where he was going to go based on his tape. So, good talent and at a position that you can never have enough guys at. So fingers crossed that he can turn it around.
1: Well, I I remember again, just going back to our bowl game episodes that we did. I again had Jeff Holland. I had the Auburn defense and man, I, I remember just raving about this guy where he was able to bend around the edge, do some great things, showed some speed, showed some athleticism. Wasn't great against the run, but at least, was showing that he could get to the quarterback and be very disruptive in a game. And so, yeah, I was, I was shocked that he went undrafted, but then hearing some of the the concerns about him off the field, I guess it makes a little bit more sense, but even there, I mean, you still have all these other players that, that put up good numbers that are not the greatest work ethic guy, kind of guys, and they still get drafted. So maybe this is just one of those guys that slipped through the, the cracks and, Everybody kind of thought, oh, somebody else is going to draft him. And then he got undrafted and happened to end up with the Broncos. My, my big question with him is, let's say that he shows a little something. Do you keep five pass rushers on the 53-man roster?
0: Well, they did that in 2015, didn't they? They had Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, and Lorente McCray. So I'd have no issue keep no issues keeping five edge rushers on the roster, especially if one as talented as Holland shows out and you have the impending free agency of Shane Ray and Shaq
1: Barrett. Yeah. Now, would you work to maybe trade one of Shane Ray or Shaq Barrett? If
0: somebody's offering me
1: the value of a mid-third
0: round pick, that could be a combination of picks as well, but the total value of a mid-third round pick, I would probably take that just because that's better than what you're going to get probably next year. Well, definitely better than what you'd get from either one from a comp pick. Right. So it, it, it depends. I mean, obviously, you, you all go into every season hoping that it's a Super Bowl season. You know, the, the team has to have that mentality, but I don't see this Bronco team as complete of a roster with the great head coach in place as some other teams. So if a team's offering you a third round pick for either of those guys, I probably take it.
1: I, I can't disagree with you. I, I think if Jeff Holland shows well and shows that he's willing to work, then to me, you might as well send one of those guys away if, if a team is offering any kind of value for them. I'm not saying give them away, obviously. Like you said, at least mid-third round, mid third round kind of value. Don't just stay here and say, oh, seventh round pick, yep, that sounds good. Because they're worth more than that to keep on your team, especially at the price that they are. Yeah. But
0: And I but don't think a team would give a third round pick. I'm probably high in it because that's a – I mean, that's negotiation – but I don't think I would, I would start at a third and I don't think I would go too much lower just because I'd rather have those edge rushers and bet on them and having a
1: good group there than selling low. Right. I mean, what, what what's your famous saying? You can never have too many pass rushers or whatever. Yeah. But how, or how,
0: <laughs> how many pass rushers are enough? Right. That was what, yeah. The only answer is more.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, do any of these other undrafted free agents guys sticks out, stick out to you? None of them really stick out. I watched some Leon Johnson offensive
0: tackle from Temple, and he has some tools. He's an interesting guy, but he's had some injuries. I mean, he had last season he had surgery on his shoulder, hip, and groin. So kind of concerning there, but he's played a fair amount of games. He started 14 games as junior year and 12 games his senior year. So I think he has some ability, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's fighting with Elijah Wilkinson for that practice squad, very back end of the offensive line, offensive tackle. John D'Arce is an interesting guy. He's a wide receiver from TCU, originally a four-star recruit at LSU. And he, honestly, the most interesting thing about him, I didn't watch too much TCU this year, but John D'Arce has launched his own fashion and clothing line recently. So good luck to you, John.
1: (laughs) There you go. At least he has something to fall back on if his NFL career doesn't take off.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then Trey Marshall. Trey Marshall is interesting as well. He's a guy, good size, decent thumper, four-star recruit as well. Played at Florida State, opposite Derwin James, but absolutely zero ball skills. I mean, this guy made no plays on the ball at college. It's like he's allergic to it or something. Just a guy that looks to make hits, decent athlete, decent size, but very, very little ball skills. So maybe some special teams there, but not very high upside. And then I'm pulling for Jimmy Williams, wide receiver from ECU, just because everything I've read about him makes it sound like he's an A-plus human being. He's won awards in 2015 and 2016 for displaying leadership, spirit, and inspiration from his team. And he's supposedly very active in his local community. So, sounds like a great guy. I just think with this wide receiver group, probably not going to make the team. You know, and it's crazy. Crazier things have happened, but I just don't think he'll make the team. The other guy I didn't talk about. I'll be completely honest I haven't watched very much of him. Uh, Austin Schlotman from TCU, but he's a, you know, he's got he's got an uphill battle as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, J- Jimmy Williams is the one I wanted to kind of hit on a little bit. Um I-, I watched a few of his games and I think last year if you were if he was the guy for last year, I think he would have made this team because we just didn't have much at the wide receiver position last year, but he's just yeah, it's it's too deep right now. His best bet is probably going to be maybe on the practice squad, and then hope that maybe with DT and Sanders heading out, that he could maybe be a guy. But he's he's kind of one of those guys. I thought he was built more like a running back than a wide receiver. He is, I think, five eleven and about two hundred six pounds, so good size for for how tall he is. And he's got decent speed. I think he ran a four five forty four seven something like that is what he was timed at his, at his pro day. So pretty good there. Decent hands, nothing too special. Okay, route running, nothing special again. But you can always see the hard work that he has. I mean, he's running full speed all the time, every play. So you got to like that. You got to like the effort. And I can understand why he would win those kind of awards being there at the ECU. Because he's definitely a hard worker. He's going to be a leader for a team. I just, I just don't see the opening here with the Broncos. I, if I were him, I probably would have gone somewhere else if I if I was really wanting to make a 53-man roster.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos and wrap up the 2018 Denver Broncos draft class. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Demler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers articles, not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain
1: to the Denver Broncos. Carl, what are you working on? Or I saw you just had a Cortland Sutton piece come out. I did. And now I've got two more film pieces coming out. One on Deshaun Hamilton and another on Freeman. And so those should be out here sometime this week. And I'm very excited to put in a lot of work on those. As you know, film pieces take quite a while, but they're they're well worth it. So I, I'm excited to, to get those out there. And I know we're trying to get all of the the 2018 draft class film studies done for you guys this week. Absolutely.
0: Make sure you head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you news, but an in-depth analysis each and every week on team building, game planning, and 365 days a year of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you fellow Denver Bronco fans. For Carl Dunmore, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos.
1: Mile-high huddle.